With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Draft Deeper on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. Thank you so much for joining us for this wonderful Monday morning episode. Joining me as always are my co-hosts, Stephen Gillespie and Maxwell Baumbach. Guys, we're back. This is it. Mock Posit Draft hey. 6.0. We technically took one off. We just had so much going on with the NCAA tournament. We wanted to make sure we were giving all of that the proper coverage that it needed from a prospect perspective. But we are back with Mock Posit Draft, technically 6.0 to coincide with the release of a brand new No Ceilings Composite Big Board. If you have not checked that out, please go ahead. Make sure you subscribe to NoCeilingsNBA.com. Go ahead and check out our latest big board. And we will have coming soon a new edition of our mock draft as well. We, we have a fun, unique idea in the works for that as a collective as well. So make sure you're subscribed to our Substack. Make sure you're locked into our social media channels at No Ceilings NBA to, to get all of those announcements and be ready for when that content drops. But Steven, I'll turn to you first, my man. How are you doing? You pumped up for Mock Posit 6.0? I'm pumped up. We're going deep. I don't want to waste a lot of more time. Let's go. Maxwell, same thoughts. You ready? I'm beyond ready. I'm fired up. I've been looking at our board all day. I've been looking at my board all day. I've been looking at the draft order. I'm fired up. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. So th- this is this is a Stephen and Maxwell absolute draft sicko special because Mock mm. Posit 6.0, we're ripping the Band-Aid off. We're, we're not just doing a full first round. We're doing a full 58-pick selection mock draft. We're just ripping the Band-Aid off. We're going for it. So... As usual, in case this is the first mock posit episode that anyone out there is listening to, this is our concept over here at Draft Deeper, where we essentially take our three big boards, we combine them into our own personal Draft Deeper composite, and that gives us our pool of players from which we're making each selection from. So we do a full mock draft. We do a tankathon sim at the top to give us a brand new team. We don't just go by the the standings for our mock draft. We do do the tankathon sim. And then we're just going to run through and make all the picks from our composite board. So you cannot pick anyone who is not on that composite board. The interesting thing about this week is we're making 58 picks. So after out of a composite top 60 board, we're going to be choosing 58 of the 60 guys. There's only going to be two names who get left off and where you're like, oh, man, you didn't get selected. Yeah, only two snubs this week as opposed to the usual about 30 or so that there are snubs because we always build it out. <laughs> to a top 60. So without further ado, Steven said, we got to hop into this because we, we can't waste any time. We got to get this going. So number one overall in the mock posit 6.0 draft this time around, the Charlotte Hornets won the first overall pick. So we've been rotating around who actually makes the, the number one pick and who uh, is ordered up in each episode. So Steven, you won the lottery this time around. You're making the first overall selection for the Hornets. Do you have any surprises in store for us? 
I don't. And I just want to open with saying that for those who are just now coming around to get your NBA draft coverage, thank you so much for tuning in. We're glad to have you on. Um, just please continue to tune in and listen because we're you're going to get a very extensive breakdown of all the prospects that we like. That being said, Charlotte Hornets with the number one pick, Victor Wimbanyama, no surprise there. I think that this might actually be like the ideal bad team for him to go to because there is an initiator on that team. So he's not going to be asked to do way too much on offense. He'll still have creative freedom. He'll still be able to try to anchor things down defensively. There's a young big there by the name of Mark Williams, who we all liked last season. There, is, there are a number of young wings that could be on the rise. Shout out to Bryce McGowan's, yes. one of Nathan's favorite last season. And again, like there is an ecosystem there to where low expectations. Charlotte isn't like a huge media outlet, so he can kind of grow quietly, much like Paolo Boncaro has done. In oh, Orlando. it'll become a media outlet if he goes there. It'll become friend. a media outlet, but it won't be like the New York Knicks drafted Victor Wembanyama and like all the fanfare that would, or the Los Angeles Lakers or what have you. Like going to Charlotte, um, Michael Jordan selling the team. I, I think that he'll obviously have a lot of attention, but it, this is like an ideal ecosystem to bring in Victor Wembanyama and allow him to grow. And, and they need the talent of a number one overall pick of Victor's caliber, right? For well, a, any team could use yeah. the talent of Victor, but especially the Hornets. They they are, in my opinion, one of the worst rebuilding situations that currently stands in the league, but. They do have a number of intriguing young pieces, as Steven pointed out, to where if you put them around a, a true franchise-changing talent like Victor Wembanyama, we could absolutely see the Hornets on the rise as early as next season. Maxwell, you're up number two overall. The Houston Rockets have the pick. There's been plenty of spicy debate over the last month. We've tackled some of that on the Draft Deeper podcast and our other No Ceilings NBA channels. Are you adding to the spice? Or are you going where I think you should go? Where are you going? Yeah, I'm going. I'm keeping it boring over here. I'm going Scoot Henderson, number two from the G League Ignite. Look, I I, I think the frustration or disappointment around Scoot has been wildly overblown. I think he was really good for the G League Ignite this season. I think he was a fantastic playmaker. I think he's only going to continue to grow in that regard. I still want to see a little more fluidity in terms of his decision-making, some of that that Tyrese Halliburton last second passing, passing out of a jump, that kind of stuff from him. But the bottom line is like, he still had a really good season in the G league. Um, if you look at the threes that he took way more of them were off the dribble than off the catch. Um, so the degree of difficulty was high. Still wasn't bad on pull-up twos and did way better at the rim than like most guys in this class while playing in the G league. So like, he's still just a, a really phenomenal athlete who, had a really good season playing against pro competition at 19 years old. Uh, I think he is a franchise point guard. I think he's a stabilizer, more importantly. Um, I think he would bring a lot to this Houston team. He's going to get two feet in the paint. He's going to open up shooters. He's going to alleviate some playmaking burden off of Jalen Green, allow him to shine a little bit more. Because he has a six foot nine wingspan and he's bricked up, he might even be able to take the tougher guard assignments in the backcourt yep. if he's really committed to defending, which he isn't always, but more committed than I would be as, as an 18, 19 year old <laughs> is the star player on a, on a, a team. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think he'd make Jabari Smith's life a lot easier. And then like, you just got, you've got a really good thing going with him in the mix. I'm not overthinking it. I'm just taking scoop. 
they, they, they just need a table setter to, mm-hmm. to organize everyone and get those guys in place. And he would be the perfect table setter out of this draft class. What 100% Maxwell job well done by you with the second overall pick. I'm up with the third pick in this scenario. We had the Indiana Pacers jump up to number three overall. So I'm, I'm also going to technically keep it boring with the guy who I think is in the mix for a lot of other people at number two, but we would have him number three. That would be Brandon Miller out of Alabama. Now, Brandon Miller did not end the season on a high note, but given what he showed all year, right? Lethal spot up guy, legitimate catch and shoot threat, somebody who's getting better at finishing at the rim off the bounce, someone who's taken steps forward. And that is something we did see in the tournament as a playmaker. So the Indiana Pacers get another catch and shoot weapon to play off of guys like Tyrese Halliburton, Andrew Nembhard. They also get someone who, if you do believe in him developing as like a secondary or tertiary playmaker, you need guys around him who can catch and shoot and space the floor. You have that with Halliburton, Matherin. Those guys can cut as well. You have Miles Turner as a big who can space the floor for you. So there are plenty of options for Brandon Miller to play off of, be it with the ball or without the ball. I just think he'd be a seamless fit in Indiana, as well as a lot of a lot of other teams. He, he's number three on my board for a reason. He's number three on all of our boards for a reason. So Brandon Miller to the Indiana Pacers, don't think that's going to, to surprise anyone there. Steven, you're back on the clock. San Antonio Spurs have the fourth overall pick in this scenario. Where are you going with it? So we collectively are lower on this prospect than the consensus. And there are only a few teams that I look at this prospect and think, this is like the best place that he can go to succeed. Amen Are you Thompson. already going to make my jaw drop? Ooh, all right. Already. I'm going to okay. I'm going to go I'm going to go Amen Thompson because I like I said he's a point guard, he's going to need the ball in his hands to actualize the best version of himself. I think San Antonio are one of the few teams that I can envision Amen Thompson going on and really being able to grow in an environment that allows him to do that. They have Kelton Johnson, they have Jeremy Suhan, a number of other young like forward uh, wing prospects. They really need to take a swing for a franchise altering point guard. I'm not saying that Amen Thompson is that, but if he is ever going to be a place like San Antonio is one of the few places where I can envision him actually doing that a heck of an athlete potential to be a very good defender, especially at the guard spot. I think that San Antonio's infrastructure will allow him to continue to improve the jump shot that a lot of us uh, have a lot of questions on. The finishing, obviously, being another area of concern. But if Amin is ever going to be the type of guard that a lot of people are uh, thinking that he could be, San Antonio is the place that I think would be the most appropriate spot to take him. I thought you were going to shock me a little more than you did because last mock posit, I mean, you still have plenty of time to make my jaw drop. But last mock posit, still early. You, you, you definitely brought the heat. But the Amen Thompson fit does make a lot of sense with San Antonio, Stephen. Biggest point I think you made there's no one at the other guard spots that's going to stop him from, from playing mm-hmm. point for that team, right? And if you believe in Amen Thompson, then you believe he needs to have the ball in his hands to take advantage of all the strengths that he does bring to the table. So Amen would definitely be a better fit with San Antonio than some of the other teams that we can draft him for in this lottery. So well done by you, Steven. I do, in fact, like that pick. Maxwell, you're up. Yep. Pick number five. The Detroit Pistons, mm-hmm. uh, really fun team of late. I know that Cade Cunningham's been out for the year, but I got to tell you, boys, Jaden Ivey 
Jaden Ivey looks like a completely different player yep. than he did at mm-hmm. the beginning of the year. Maybe not on defense. He still has a long way to yeah. go defensively. <laughs> but on offense, he looks like a much more complete primary initiator slash scorer to where I'm having some thoughts about where I'm going to put him on my final all-rookie ballot. But that that's a different conversation for a different day. Maxwell, who are you adding into this fun young Pistons court? Yeah, so uh, I do not want more bigs. I do not want a big man. I, I have plenty of big men for now. So um, when they traded Sadiq Bay, they kind of became a little bit more shallow on the wings. Um, I really like Cam Whitmore here. I like him for a couple of reasons. I'm wow. point number one is that I am still a big believer in Cam Whitmore. Uh, I think that if you look at his numbers, I was like really pleasantly surprised with how he graded out. So he was 64.2% at the rim in the half court this year. He is a monster finisher, which isn't a surprise because he is so powerful and he's a very potent first step. He's strong as is, is all get out. He is nasty in a straight line, really gets up off the floor to finish. Um, but also he was really good off the catch. He hit over 40, he hit 40% of his catch and shoot threes. Um, his timing is a cutter really started to develop. He got better at knowing when his defender's back was turned, when to make those moves. Um, my big concern with him is just his in-between game. And I think that's something that he can kind of take his time to iron out. Mm-hmm. Because the next point is I'm a big believer in Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey still. And I think that I still want those guys to have their ball, the ball in their hands. Yep. And it is part of that. It can kind of let Cam just put his, his feet in the pool and just kind of get used to the NBA, just cut finish at the rim, yep. hit those catch and shoot threes. And then hopefully over time he develops the handle. He gets a little bit more polished. He gets the mid range pull up going. Um, but I thought defensively he did a tremendous job too. Um, which he, like, I like, I like rated as a defense. As a yeah. Defender. I hear no one talking about his defense. Like I actually got to watch him in person defend one of, if not the best shooter in this draft, Jordan Hawkins, he kept up with a guy like that. He did a Love tremendous defense, job. And then yeah. he was able to switch on, bigger guys that Connecticut threw at him as well. Like he may be one of the most versatile defenders in this draft class that we don't talk about. Yeah. He's really strong and he's really fast. I think one of the things that's hurt him is that like he did, he didn't do a lot of like, uh, like help side rim protection stuff. So his block rate came out kind of low, but mm-hmm. if you just watch him, like he can keep up with anybody. He can physically hang with anybody. Um, and I, I think in the long run, a lot of De- Detroit's big men profile to be like, okay. Defenders. Like I think, uh, I, I think that Duran is going to get there in the long term. Oh, Wiseman is still a little theoretical for me, but I'm, I'm in on Duran as a defender long term. But Cade's still a little bit slow, like not not you know an ideal defender. If Whitmore can take some of those assignments, if he can help cover up for t- some of the struggles that Ivy's having uh, in time, like I think he's just a perfect guy to develop alongside this core. He brings real benefit to their games. So he can really complement them out of the gate, and he's still got a, a high ceiling of his own if, if things go well developmentally. And, and I think those guys are going to get better defensively in time, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I do expect Ivy to at some point be much closer to at, at least a net zero on the defensive end than a net negative. Mm-hmm. I, I think Cade has really good defensive potential still. We talked about Duran. Like they have a number of guys. I think the biggest thing for them as a young team, they just need to continue to put the right pieces around those young guys and build a core that's actually going to play together for multiple years for them to develop that chemistry that they need on the defensive end that that's what they need, in my opinion, more than anything. And Cam Whitmore would be another guy who he just slots in in the middle, as Maxwell said, of all those guys. I really like that pick. So I got the Portland Trailblazers at number six. You let a really great prospect fall to me, gentlemen. So thank you very much for letting me take Jairus Walker 
for the Portland Trailblazers. Who, man, welcome. this is an excellent fit because mm-hmm. everything that Jarris can do offensively fits seamlessly with guards like Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons, guys who are going to have the ball in their hands. They love playing out of pick and roll. They love operating out of DHOs. They can play the give and go game. Jarris Walker can do all of that at the top of the key, acting as a screener, acting as like a short roll guy. We all buy into his passing one day being a really good weapon for him, especially out of short rolls. We know that he can get all the way to the basket. He can be a post-up guy. He can hit tough mid-range shots and, I'm buying the jump shot in terms of him spacing the floor. I know it wasn't the highest volume in the world this season, but he actually was a much better shooter than I think he gets credit for. There's still some skeptics out there who don't think he's going to bring shooting to the next level. Maybe he's not an all-class shooter at his position when he first steps into the league, but I do think the jump shot's going to be a big weapon for him long-term. And then we all like Jairus Walker's defensive potential, certainly on this podcast, as well as at the No Ceilings Collective. And the Portland Trailblazers, what do, ha, what haven't they done notoriously for years and years is defend at a high level. Now you bring in Jarrett, somebody who can cover multiple positions from the four spot, who will grow into hopefully playing a role as a small ball big. He he just has so much that he can unlock where maybe he's not the most conventional star prospect that we can point to, but the value that he brings to the table albeit not conventional, would still scream potentially star-level production. So I really like Jairus Whitmore for the Portland Trailblazers. Steven? Jairus Walker said Jairus Whitmore. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, that's that, that's just me having a brain for What a fun right. matchup combine that would the be. Two? Yeah. <laughs> if we combine the two, we might have a, a prospect that could rival mm-hmm. Scoot Henderson and Victor Womanyama at the top of the track. Yeah. Um, not Brandon Miller, though. Not... <laughs> Steven, Sorry. you're up with the Washington Wizards at pick number seven. Who you got? All right, so he's further down our composite board than number seven. But if you look at my board, he's not that far away from number seven for me. Washington needs someone who can organize an offense and has scoring potential. One of the highest upside guards, I believe, left in on, on the board right now, and that's Jalen Hushafino. I think that Jalen Hutchifino in Washington makes a lot of sense. Uh, they have a number of forwards. Uh, they have a couple of big men that they might like, but there's not a big man that I'm interested in taking uh, this high currently on the board. So with the guard situation kind of being in flux, uh, getting a guy who's about 6'5", 6'6", who can get to his spots comfortably, um, expert in the pick and roll already at such a young age, and I have uh, high confidence in his ability to stretch the floor over time. We see a number of guards who the quote-unquote aren't the biggest athletes, but who are very comfortable at getting to their spots and have good court vision like Jalen Hushafino does, uh, make larger improvements in where they should have been taken on their draft night. And uh, I think that Jalen Hushafino kind of follows that same lineage of uh, guards that are big with feel, um, drastically outshining where they were taken. So I'm going to take him here at number seven for Washington. Listen, man, I, I I get the handle concerns. I get the turnover concerns. I get the inconsistent shooting concerns. But game for game in terms of best overall performances during the college season, he may have had some of the greatest prospect games we've seen mm-hmm. all year long when he looks like a legitimate, legitimate star level talent. Washington needs star power. They need somebody who can play alongside Bradley Beal, somebody who complements Beal 
when Beal has the ball in his hands running more of the offense, Jalen Hochefino can play off of him, step into those catch-and-shoot shots, take those one-two dribble pull-ups. He's a guy, I just think he would mesh really well to Stephen's point with somebody like a Bradley Beal and some of the other young talent that they have on the team. I, I, I like the pick, Stephen. He, he's 13th on our composite rankings, but if you're talking about things that I could actually see happening on draft night where maybe the Wizards aren't picking from 7, maybe they're picking from 10 or 11, I could absolutely see them target somebody like Jalen hood Chipino. I, I think he'd be a great get for that. Maxwell, you're up. Pick number eight, the Orlando Magic. Oh, boy. You you have the fun task of helping. I took his guy. He was going to pick JHS. I was you not. Know. I was not going to pick JHS. <laughs> I'm, I'm just really – so I'm really stuck because – I think there's this idea that like the magic need a point guard and they also need more shooting, but also like you don't want to draft a wing or a forward because they might, there's too many other good wings and forwards because you've got Paulo and you've got Franz. Ah, I'm really stuck here. Um, there's a guy who I, I think I saw Raphael Barlow talk about him as a potential fit with the Orlando magic. This would be too rich for me mm-hmm. this high in the draft, maybe with a second pick though, maybe they could look to target a certain big man that you yeah. like Maxwell. Um, big man that I like. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go. I think I'm just gonna go best player available. I'm gonna take Taylor Hendricks. Like, I love it. I, I love know this pick. does not help with your table setting issues. I know that you just keep stockpiling guys that are big and long. Uh, but I really like Taylor Hendricks. I think he's the best guy on the board. I, um, really believe in his athleticism and his movement. I think what people are kind of getting wrong about him is I do think like physically it's going to be an adjustment, like playing in the Mm -hmm. NBA. He is really, really thin and he gets knocked off his spot quite a bit and he can get bumped around on the glass. Like I I, look, I think he's really tall. Like I don't worry about him measuring short. I don't measure. I worry about his like wingspan being short, but I do think the physicality of the NBA is going to give Mm -hmm. him like a little bit more headaches and the people are like, Oh yeah, he's going to come in. He's going to play right away and do this. And like, I think there's a chance he does, but I, like that's it's gonna matter it's gonna matter that he's really thin um yes still seeing him in person i agree with a lot of what you said dude yeah like he, he's still up. six foot nine he can still really shoot the ball and i think that his defensive in- instincts are tremendous especially as a weak side rim protector um but he got way better at playing in his stance as the year went along i i like the passing like i know that it's one of those things where it's not you know he's not a guy who's gonna put it on the floor break a guy down off the dribble, get two feet in the paint and hit somebody. But he makes decisions really quickly, which is all you need on uh, this for team him absolutely. to be a really effective player. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm really in on Taylor Hendricks. I believe he's like number seven on my board. Um, so for me, he's, he's the best guy that's available right here. I, and I like the fit. So I, I have Taylor Hendricks at number six overall mm-hmm. on my board. I, I, I don't hate the pick Maxwell. I, I think you need to be focused on drafting him as a four man. But if he hits a home run level outcome as to where he can play more minutes than we'd think at the five, mm-hmm. talk about a home run pick for for what the Orlando Magic could keep building mm-hmm. into. But even if he is more of a four man, we, we've seen the Magic play Franz at the two and Paolo at the three this year. So it's not it's not out of the question that Hendricks. They have enough guys, guys that they can get away with some weird stuff. Lindo right at the and, five, Mark Hill at the one. Yeah, that's a. And, and if Hendricks hits as the best version of himself as a four man, like now you're talking about three true core pieces they have in place. Plus you have Markel Fultz, who's played really well in the second half of the year. Wendell Carter has been certainly a, a stalwart for them. So the magic could keep adding to a, a wonderful rebuild. I, I like where you guys have gone 
at this point in the draft. All right, so I'm up number nine, the Utah Jazz. I have a few players who I circle in terms of who I would target if I were the Utah Jazz. I think I'm going to surprise a few of you, a.k.a. both of you. This is a guy who I haven't been as high on up to this point in the draft cycle. I've certainly been back and forth, but he just makes so, so much sense for Utah. Case and Wallace. I'm just going to take okay. Case and Wallace here. It makes so much sense, right? Two-way player. I've had conversations with at least Maxwell, but I think Steven's probably heard a few of these points as well. I get worried when we throw out like Drew Holiday type of comparisons for Case and Wallace because I just don't think he's going to get there physically in terms of scaling up in certain matchups, right? Like when I think of Drew Holiday, I think of somebody who he's not just guarding people in the backcourt. He's guarding three men. He's sometimes guarding four men. And he, he certainly is not a pushover in the post either. I, I don't see that type of future for Case and Wallace. I think he's going to be much more of a backcourt pest slash defender. But when you combine what he brings to the table defensively, along with his offensive skills package, which I may, I may give him some crap for not being more assertive where I thought he should have been at Kentucky. But just from a pure skills standpoint, guys, he has everything we're looking for out of a guard, right? I do think he gets to his spots well enough. I do think he has nice floater touch in the lane. He could shoot the three. He could hit the pull-up jump shot. He's been one of the better rim finishers in his guard class that we're looking at evaluating for this draft cycle. So just the completeness of his game that's the type of guy I can see Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz being all in on. So, so I will take Kaysen Wallace at number nine. Steven, you have the utmost fun of drafting at number 10 for a team that if you would have told us a few weeks ago they were in this position, we would have laughed you off the face of the earth. We're like, Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving, how are the Dallas Mavericks drafting in the lottery with a top 10 pick? But yet, here we are, Dallas, mm -hmm. number 10. Who are you taking to help get the Mavericks back right on track next season. See, this is hard because you is Kyrie coming back, you know, and then the rest of the roster around uh, Luca is so desolate already with Kyrie that if he leaves, you're you you're almost rebuilding, you know, if if you're Dallas and you keep this pick. So then there's a school of thought is like, okay, do you go best player available or do you go with someone who compliments Luca because you have Asar Thompson available. Is he the best compliment for Luca, who is going to be playing off ball? And if floor spacing is in question with a guy like him, then are you getting the best prospect really um, in, in terms of value? You can make the same case for Anthony Black, who I have on my board. Um, I think I'm going to shock y'all. I'm shocking myself. And this really makes me reconsider where I have him on my board. I think Jordan Hawkins is actually a great fit for the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks here. Um, and this is coming from someone right now who has them 20 on his board. And it's exercises like these that are incredibly valuable because it really lets you know like where you should be having guys. But for Jordan Hawkins, it's someone that you know is going to be reliable, spacing the floor away from Luka Doncic. He's shown um, flashes defensively that he can be able to cover at least maybe the one and the two. I think his measurement at the combine is going to be kind of sneaky, very important because he's listed at 6'5". If he ends up being like around 6'3", six, 6'4", six, I don't know how much value you're getting of a player like that on the wing. Um, maybe you're hoping that he's Buddy Hilled at a certain point if he's undersized, maybe with a little bit more defensive value, but he's not as stocky as Buddy is. So uh, I just think playing off of Luka Doncic, 
um, with the gravity that he possesses on this team, I think a guy like Jordan Hawkins is someone that Dallas could target and he could work very nicely on that squad. Even if they, even if Kyrie Irving comes back, even if you have especially if Kyrie Irving mix, comes, yeah. getting better and better, hopefully year by year, and you have Luca, Jordan Hawkins as a fourth guard would be just absolutely nutty for this Mavericks team. And I get they they probably need some size. They have some other positional needs elsewhere on the roster, but just looking to draft a player who we're very confident is within the archetype that generally gets a second contract in the NBA, like a long-term mainstay guy, Jordan Hawkins fits that bill perfectly. And I think that's the biggest reason why he's risen up so many boards, right? He, he has a floor as an off-ball defender. We know about the shooting ability. His shot creation in terms of getting himself open for looks has gone underrated to, to an extent because when we talk about shot creation, we're thinking about how many different combination moves can you string together to ultimately land you the type of shot that you want for yourself on the ball. doesn't always take into account the off-the-ball equity that somebody like Jordan Hawkins has. I'm buying into Hawkins. I have him as a lottery guy. I firmly believe at this point, especially with UConn's run, he will be taken in the lottery. Yeah, Top 10 is not out of the question. So, Steven, I, I do like the fact that you went for just the guy who we think is going to be a proven talent for, for yep. the Dallas Mavericks. Maxwell, the mm-hmm. Oklahoma City Thunder. How well do you know the Thunder fan base with, with your pick is, is what we're going to find out. I don't know if you're going to give yeah. them they're going to be happy with. Huh? Where, where are you going? Yeah, I don't know if they're going to be happy with him, but I'm going to be thrilled with this guy. Uh, this is an Oklahoma City team that uh, has not done a great job of rebounding this season. Um, they could still use a little bit more shooting on their team, and they're they're like a longer team, but they don't they've got a lot of skinny guys. So I think maybe we bring some thickness, some okay. shooting, and okay. one of the players oh, you had son of a, gun, a historically efficient high volume scoring season i am taking ohio state forward bryce sensabaugh with this son of a gun maxwell i bryce makes a ton of sensible yeah like yeah bryce has a ton of upside um the big knock on bryce is going to be that he's pretty lost off the ball defensively uh but hopefully he got chet holmgren coming back next season he might clean up a lot of that and the thunder do a very good job i schematically as a defensive team like you look at the individual parts on paper and it's like, Oh, that guy, no, he's not a great defender. But then like you watch the games and like, they just really know how to move. They, they do a really good job of preventing the other team from getting easy buckets. Uh, they rank out fine defensively. Um, and I think he guards the ball. Well, I do think that if you put him on the ball, there are some possessions where he lets guys buy him a little too easy. Uh, but he generally has the physical tools and capabilities and the strong chest to keep guys in front of him. But, the biggest thing with Bryce is he's a monster scorer. 44.4% mm. on catch and shoot threes, 52.6% on pull up twos, which is an obscene number. Uh, he is really good as a spot up shooter. He did well off screens and things like that. They didn't let him do it a whole lot. He gets after it on the glass using his strength. Um, scored like 40.3 points per 100 possessions, like almost as many points per possession or uh, points per 100 as, uh, as Zion. And he did it shooting like 50, 40, 80. So Bryce to me is a guy that like you just can't pass on that level of scoring efficiency when you have a guy who's also like a solid athlete and has a pro frame. So 
I don't know if the Thunder fans are going to love it, but I love it. I think he's got a ton of upside. And I think when you have as many good passers on your team as you do, you can get away with a guy like Bryce Sensabaugh, who like that's like the one area of concern with him. I, I also love it. And I think the other reason, Maxwell, is that the the Thunder, they, they have SGA. They have one mm-hmm. of the top scorers now in the NBA, but they don't really have a secondary score in his ilk next to him, per se. You have some guys who they can get downhill. Josh Giddey's much improved this year getting all mm-hmm. the way to the basket. You have somebody like Jalen Williams. J-Dub we we, we, we do love yeah. Jalen Williams, but... In terms of these really Isaiah nasty, Joe, come on, man. filthy step back shot creators in the mid range, somebody who can take some of that late in the shot clock pressure off of someone like SGA, I don't think they have another guy on the roster quite like that. And, and well, Bryce like Sensabaugh would be that guy. Even some of the actions they use Isaiah Joe in, they could use Bryce Sensabaugh. They can. Like some of the stuff they do with like him setting screens, it's like, well, Bryce Sensabaugh can do that. I don't know. I, I just, I really like this fit the more I think about it. I, I love that people don't want to have Bryce in the movement, in, in the best shooter conversation because they don't believe in his movement shooting ability. Yeah, I get that he wasn't asked to do it at a high volume at Ohio State, but if you look up the shots that he took within that play type, when he got those looks, he made them anyways, just mm-hmm. like all the other shots he makes on the floor. So I, I buy Bryce as one of the more complete offensive players in this draft class. He sits at ninth on my personal board and he may not be done rising. I, I I will just say that. So I'm also buying big in on, on Bryce Sensabaugh. I'm up for the Orlando magic via the Chicago bulls. That's right. A second lottery selection for the Orlando magic. This is a pretty easy pick to me, given who's left on the board. I'm going to go jet Howard out of Michigan. I just buy into giving them the Orlando magic, another secondary ta- slash tertiary big wing creator, somebody who you know he's either going to keep the ball moving or he's going to shoot it when he gets it. And then he's just another big body out there, right? Like six seven, six eight, but he has a big frame that he's going to keep growing into. We don't look at him as a prime defensive prospect, but there's just something about playing one big dude next to a whole bunch of other big dudes, and it ends up being that the defense can actually turn into better results than, than one may think if you're just looking at each of the individual parts by themselves. So I think Jed Howard would fit in perfectly with what the Orlando Magic are building. He's the type of guy I would target at this point in, in the mid to late lottery. Give me Jed Howard on the Magic. Steven, you are making a pick. You have to follow up my first pick for the Utah Jazz in the lottery by mm-hmm. giving them a second player courtesy of Metcalf's Minnesota Timberwolves. Sorry, Metcalf. We 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 didn't want to squeeze that in there, but not just kidding. I did. All right, Steven, who you got? Yeah, man. So uh in honor of helping Utah continue to build to the future with you, Nathan. Um, love the case and pick. Uh Maxwell and I were recently accused of calling him boring, which I don't think that we ever said. Uh just want to throw that out there. Um I'll I'll talk to you about it later. <laughs> so, All right. Oh, sh- shout out I to th- Rucker. I think anyway. I, yeah, I think I think I probably called him boring because I because I think okay. people like he doesn't capture the imagination because it's just very obvious what he is good at. OK, yeah, I never said that. But anyway, I probably um, <laughs> uh, another probably boring pick here. Uh, just going to go best player available. I think Utah can afford to take a shot on a guy who is probably a bit more uh, projecty than what he is getting credit for. But um, if it all if it all clicks, you have an all NBA defender on your hands here with Asar Thompson. I'm going to go ahead and take him here. I think it's a good, uh, safe, boring pick uh, to to pair with another safe, boring player in Casey Wallace, and uh, keeps Utah boring but fun, man. I, I think with the uh, 
the depth that they already have on this team. Uh, you got a, an, another hyper athlete, uh, a guy who's probably a better playmaker than what he's getting credit for, for his position. And again, that defense, if it all works out, it could be game changing in Utah just keeps taking those singles and doubles until they become a, a perennial playoff team again. I like Asar Thompson. I, I'm not particularly in love with either of the Thompson twins as we currently sit here in this draft cycle. This is not going to be a Thompson twins podcast. We 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 will do that. We'll revisit that conversation at some point. But I, I still feel like I need to do a little bit more deep diving on the both of them to solidify either where I'm at right now or where I would come back up to on either of them at 13, uh, a Thompson twin who, listen, we think both of them have, have potential top 10 value. I think we have them ranked inside of our top 10 in our composite board. So getting a guy who we have seventh overall at 13, that's just value. That's just Steven getting yeah. some value right there for the Utah Jazz. So I do like that pick. Maxwell, to round out the lottery, you're up for the Toronto Raptors. Where are you going with the last lottery selection? Yeah, so I'm going to go a little bit down my board here. So this is for the Toronto Raptors. Um, they really need shooting. Um, not only guys that hit threes, but just guys that take threes in general. Um, I think it's important to, to give a tip of the hat uh, to the You Know Ball podcast and, and co-host Sam Sheehan and Sheehan's Law, which is the the law that in the playoffs, whoever makes the most threes wins. And it's like four. <laughs> it's like it was like forty and nine at one point during the season. Like Sheehan's Law matters like it's not just about making threes it's about taking them but the raptors they've also got a type they need guys that are long they need guys that are athletic they need guys that move and that's where max lewis comes in hey. uh big upside play a guy with a lot of juice to him uh can really really move for a guy who's six foot seven good athlete the defense is very raw but this is a team that has a strong defensive identity and generally has done a very good job of coaching guys up on that end of the floor finding ways to make it work for them um, but he is just a stellar, stellar shooter. And like we mentioned with sensible, like when we're talking about the best guy, the best shooters in the draft, Lewis doesn't come up. He had 44.1% of his catch and shoot threes this season. He had 42.3% of his pull up twos and he's good at the rim too. He's got big, long strides. He takes the basket turnovers are an issue. He plays a little bit too fast, but I'd rather have a guy who plays a little bit too fast and ask him to scale it back, slow it down a little bit than a guy who can't keep up with the speed of the NBA game. I don't have that concern with Max was one bit loved him. When I interviewed him, very humble guy Buy him as a person Buy him as a scorer. He's too good at putting the ball in the basket to let him fall out of the lottery. And he fits what the Raptors need. Why do I feel like that's a Messiah Jerry pick through and through like at this point in the draft? Like, why do mm -hmm. I just feel like that's the perfect selection and, and a legitimate place where I think they could go at this point yeah. of the draft. Yeah. I, I do like the pick Maxwell absolute upside swing, but if it all comes together, you're talking about the archetype of player that we, we would certainly project to return top 10 value and getting that type of value later in the lottery outside the top 10. That's exactly what Raptors fans would, would want to happen with that type of a pick. We're going to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, I'm going to make our first pick outside the lottery. Number 15 for the new Orleans Pelicans. All right, we are back. So, New Orleans Pelicans are up 15th overall. I'm in a weird place on my board. I have a few directions where I could go. I don't necessarily 
love any of them in particular, but I think I'm going to go with Keontae George for the Pelicans. I think that what the Pelicans need off the bench is just someone who can get them buckets in a number of different ways. I know that Grady Dick could be an option here. I know that Anthony Black could be an option here. I just think they might be a little redundant in terms of what the Pelicans already have. Off the bench, they don't quite have a guy like Keontae George. And in the combo guard bowl, getting to learn under someone like a CJ McCollum, I think that could greatly benefit him in his career. We look at Keontae George's decision-making and and shot-taking being a little risque for our liking as scouts. But if he's able to learn under somebody like a CJ McCollum, I think a lot of that could be further refined. And if you buy the shooting touch, if you buy his build, the mold, uh, 6'4 guard, very stocky, built well for himself, you're buying that on the defensive end, the rebounding, the passing flashes that we saw near the beginning of the season. If you're buying into all of that coming together, Keontae George is the type of player you can take him in, in the mid to late lottery. You can certainly take him higher than this. I think this would be great value for the New Orleans Pelicans. So I will take Keontae George at number 15, who sits at 15, ironically, on our composite big board. So, Stephen, you're back on the clock. Atlanta Hawks at number 16. Where are you going? Yeah, another another guy who's further than our composite. But if you look at where I have him ranked, he's actually going to be a value pick here. And I don't think that there has been a, a player more projected to go to a team than Gigi Jackson to the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I I know that Maxwell and I talked about him a good bit. I know that we've all within the No Ceilings family talked about him a good bit. I just think that he's super talented, man. Like, and the the narrative around him was too focused around the Instagram thing. But looking at it on the court, 17-year-old guy, the number one player on a scouting report for an SEC D1 basketball school and was the second highest scoring freshman within the conference. Like, was able to do so many things at his position with the ball in his hands that is just not easily found. I think Atlanta has a lot of problems. There's a guard on the board that I really like on my board. Uh, just I can't give them another another guard to compete with, uh, you know, Trey Young and and trying to believe that he'll play off the ball. I just think that GG. I understand that there are other forwards on this team. I understand that there are other wings on this team. Atlanta needs um, a lot of help in a lot of ways, and I think GG has the highest upside um, of anyone who's not a point guard on the board right now. If it all works out for him, he's a top 10 talent. There it is. Bar none. That, that's, that's, that's the easy sell. It might take a little more imagination, a little bit more developmental structure than what was initially pitched at the beginning of the year to get there, or for him to get there, I should say. But if it all clicks, yeah, all the talents there in Atlanta at this point in the draft, they're just looking for the best talent play I think that they can get. So GG, I wouldn't fault them for taking him whatsoever. Maxwell. You have a pick, the Houston Rockets via the LA Clippers at 17. There's a name who's fallen. I mentioned Yeah, there is. Are are you going to take him? I'm here for him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Give me Anthony Black with this pick. Um, This is kind of a weird fit because the Rockets were not a great shooting team this season. But I think they're going to be. Like, I think Jabari Smith is going to be a better shooter than this. I think Jalen Green is going to be a better shooter than this. I think with Scoot Henderson setting them up, who we took with our last pick, that's going to go a long way. Defensively, this is a team that's really struggled. I think as much as this is an upside play, this is also like a culture pick in a way too. Like 
Anthony Black's going to come in. He's going to play the right way. He's going to keep the ball moving. He's going to add a layer of selflessness to this team. Um, he's just like tough as hell too. Like yeah. some of those drives that he had in the game against UConn, like he gets after it. Like you don't, he's not going to make a coach rip their hair out. He does take a while to, to kind of aim his shot. Um, he, he's a little slow to shoot it off the catch at times. I just think he's the kind of guy that's going to do the work. And, and I yeah. think it's going to get there. Um, it might not be the prettiest out of the gate. Maybe he doesn't even play a lot of minutes his first year, but I think he just brings a lot of what this team needs. And and I know you got a lot of kind of like quote unquote guards and, and he's sort of in that guard wing hybrid do, spot. Do they, but do they have a lot he, of guards? They, they have a lot of them. I didn't say, I didn't say they were good, uh, <laughs> but they have a lot of them. But even like a guy like Ty Ty, like I buy Ty Ty Washington. Yep. Like I think I still think he's going to be a dude. And like, here's another guy that you can play alongside him. You can play along. Mm-hmm. He's going to fit whatever role you need to put him in. And you know, you know what his game kind of reminds me of on this team, the type of the type of role that he could play. He kind of reminds me of Jay Sean Tate in, in a lot of yeah. different ways, yeah. like what Jay Sean Tate brings to this team. And when Jay Sean Tate's off the floor, Anthony Black, as, as you said, Maxwell, he's the type of player you can plug and play. You, mm-hmm. you can have him alongside different guys. You can have him alongside both uh, Scoot, Jalen Green. You can have him playing next to a KPJ or a Ty Ty. And he's just going to do everything you need him to do on the mm-hmm. floor. So getting another guy in the mold of Jay Sean Tate, someone who helps carry this, this Rockets team when they have their struggles, who's played backup point guard for them. Maybe Jay Sean Tate doesn't have to play backup point guard anymore because you'd have someone in Anthony Black who can certainly take the reins over in that spot. I like that pick. That's great value. He fell. He was ninth in our composite ranking, but I understand why he fell. I, I yeah. don't think he's a sure thing by any means. I think we want to buy into the talent, but he was a little too inconsistent for my liking at, at Arkansas. I still have him as a lottery pick. I think I would still take him in the lottery, but there, there, there's just a, there's a world there. There's multiple worlds where it just doesn't work out the way we think it will. And he could be one of these guys that just doesn't live up to the promise. So I, I can understand why he fell, but a guy who I think I know ceilings in general, we all do like him in lottery range. All right. I'm picking for LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the LA Lakers, the most fast. Well, when, when aren't they the most fascinating? NBA awesome story? By, by default. Dude. <laughs> yeah. I, I will not forget about Austin Reeves, but certainly them making the, the playoff buzz that they are, the push that they are in this season. They can add another rotational piece in the draft, somebody who can help them on both sides of the ball, but really one area in particular, keep keep helping out that defense, man. Like they, they found some pieces now. They're getting the offense flowing. They know what they're doing on that end, getting some talent to support them on the defensive end, somebody who – I think maybe a little bit more ready to come in and play in the NBA than we might give him credit for. Ray Repair, I think, would be a great Ooh. name for for the LA Lakers to target. Really big wing. I mean, I mean, monstrous human being. We've said this before on this podcast. But like when you flip on the tape and watch Repair, he is just a gigantic human being. Somebody who I'm actually buying into more of the shooting than I once was, even though the percentages wouldn't necessarily bear it out. I think the comfort level that he's shown on catch and shoot threes on quick pull-up shots over in the NBL. I think he has a comfort level to where I'm going to buy into the shot eventually translating more in the NBA than I think I initially would, or at least sooner than I think I I initially thought. 
And then the defense is just going to be spectacular, right? He's strong. He's long. He can cover multiple positions. He can play both on ball, off ball. I think, I think if there was a rookie to play alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis, this is the type of rookie I could actually see succeeding in, in a role next to those two stars and, and Austin Reeves, as, as Steven wanted to remind us earlier in that pitch. Yes. So repair is off the board to the Lakers. Steven, you're back on the clock picking for the defending champion for now, defending champion Golden State Warriors. Who do you have going there? So we know that the youth project, the two timeline movement, hasn't really worked out that well. Um, there are signs of life in, in the youth department, but it's not what we thought it was going to be. Uh, Golden State um, often reminds us that they have four rings and they want to continue to push in the playoffs and continue with just smart basketball players that can play defense, fill a role, and also be reliable on the offensive end. I'm going to give them Colby Jones. I think that he is a great Golden State Warrior, um, a little bit further down our board than some of these other prospects, but has shown that he can be trusted to space the floor, is a pretty good connective passer, competes defensively, competes on the glass, is a, a coach's dream. I just think that he like he fits what any NBA team is looking for. I, I, I can't imagine a roster right now that wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, Colby Jones, like we can give him a shot on our team. And that's what a, a team like Golden State is looking for, someone who can for further their rotation a little bit, can fill in when some of their vets uh, need to sit out for back-to-backs or injuries, things like that, and might have more to his game than what we've seen so far. So I, I would be excited if I'm a Golden State Warriors fan and they land Kobe Jones. One of the prime candidates in this class so far, at least at this point in our evaluation, where we can turn and say, if we're if we're trying to put together a ranking of players who are 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 primed to return more value than where they're drafted, Colby Jones would be on that short list. So yeah, I, I agree with you, Stephen. Golden State would absolutely look his way in terms of that type of connective tissue that can keep that team moving on both ends of the floor. Maxwell, Miami Heat, the twentieth overall selection, choosing for Heat culture. Are you going to match mm. culture? Who, who are you giving yeah. Miami? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give him a, a guy who's got that dog in him. I'm going to give him a guy who is a little lower on our board, but this is right in his range on my board. I'm going to give them Kobe Bufkin. I uh, love it. Kobe Bufkin is a guy who just kind of feels like a Miami Heat player. Like he's smart. He's slithery. He's tough. Uh, and he defends. And I think that. There's been a lot. I want to like, I feel bad because I'm like doing the pick and I'm being like, no, don't get too excited about him. Uh, there's, there's been a lot of like real heavy Kobe Bufkin excitement recently. And I'm with it. Like I like Kobe Bufkin a lot. I think it should not be overlooked that he is very, very, very skinny. And I think he's going to have a hard time. Like I think about just like bigger, like Kyle Lowry, who's on that same team. Like, do you think Kyle Lowry could just like plow right through him? Cause I do. I think a guy like a like a Marcus Smart could plow right through him. Like I think there's a lot of guards that he would have a hard time physically containing, despite what he brings on the defensive end out of the gate. I think it's going to be a little slower process than some people might be anticipating, but I think he's going to be a really good pro. I think he really knows how to get through traffic. I think he's a phenomenal transition defender. Uh, gets a lot of blocks in transition. Very quick to dart into passing lanes. Solid shooter off the catch. Got better as the year went on. Can pull up and hit a three way better at the rim than you'd expect for somebody who's as skinny as he is. 
really, really tough. I, I just think he's tough. I think he plays the right way. I think he's going to figure a lot of things out. I think it's just going to be a little bit of a development thing, which is fine. Cause even though he was a sophomore, he is freshman age. Um, so I'm fine. Like just taking a year to get him acclimated and, and then he's off to the races down the road, but I think he's a huge, huge value proposition for them here. Can I give you a take? Yeah. I think this is the lowest Kobe bucket would go on draft night at this point. I could I, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I think he's going to go really high. I, I don't, I don't think he makes it past 20. And I think for all the reasons you laid out Maxwell, he would be a great fit for the mm-hmm. Miami heat. I, I can't see them passing on a guy like him. So I think this is his draft floor that that may be a hot take for some, for others that know ceilings are our, our good pal, Tyler Rucker. This is too low for, yeah, for someone like a Kobe he's been Buckingham. screaming at us. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I love that pig max. So I, I think you nailed that one. Brooklyn nets 21st overall. They're in a position where the, the clock's no longer ticking in terms of they need to, to go after this, this title or bust dream, mm-hmm. right? They they've now hit the reset button. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving are gone. We don't know ultimately what's going to happen with somebody like a Ben Simmons. We know that Mikhail Bridges is probably there now for the long term as the team's current centerpiece and projectable centerpiece. That now they can they can take some time. They can try and, and take some swings on some quote unquote projects that can add the type of long term value that can fit next to somebody like Mikhail Bridges. They can go after more quote unquote ready guys. But if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, I'm going to take a swing here. At this point, I'm going to go Derek Lively for, for the Brooklyn Nets. This is this is, is that the a type swing? of piece who, listen, they already have somebody like Nick Claxton on the roster, one of the most versatile defenders that we have inside the entire NBA. He's not your most quote-unquote traditional rim protector, although he does certainly provide a lot of rim protection in his own right. But when you be able to bring off the bench somebody like Derek Lively, you're giving him plenty of time in a situation where he's going to certainly have more of it than he's than he once was going to. And you're giving this team another really versatile big man defensively, potentially down the road. You know that right now he's going to put a lid on the basket. The the offensive flashes we've seen not only as him as a role man, but at Duke, the, the short roll passing, all three of us fell in love with it at Duke this season. He's another guy who they, they, they're going to be offense by committee. A lot of times I know Mikhail's been like the quote unquote number one guy for them at this point since that trade was made, but they're going to be offense by committee. They're going to try to, to swing the ball around, move it, find the hot hand. And what better way to keep that going or, or keep that philosophy moving than with a guy in Derek Lively who believes in, in passing it as soon as he gets it, if he doesn't see that something's there for him to score as a big man. So with somebody who has plenty of room to grow, especially if he further develops a jump shot, Derek Lively, my pick for the Brooklyn Nets. Steven, this is a back-to-back selection. You also get to pick for the Brooklyn Nets, courtesy of the Phoenix Suns from that trade. Who are you going with at 22? Yeah, so I think with the the rebuilding on the horizon, uh, you just get best player available here after you quote-unquote took a swing with uh, Derek Lively. I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm going to give them Grady Dick. And I think, too, with uh, building for the future, that makes guys like Joe more expendable for a contender who might need a shooter. Seth Curry might be expendable for a team. We don't know what's going to happen with uh, Cam Johnson and his restricted free agency. There is a a line of thinking that you go kind of point guard here um, just to kind of close up their rotation. I don't know if uh, there's a point guard prospect that I'm in love with at 22, 
um, for them. So I'm just going to go ahead and give them a ready-made NBA shooter who makes great decisions when he's chased off the line, competes on the glass, competes defensively, um, good connective playmaking potential, and has good good size and great release. So, I mean, uh, it's a wings league. Wings are in vogue. And if you're rebuilding, you can never have too many uh, tradable assets on your team. And Grady Dick is an NBA player. It's just a, it's just a consideration of how, to what magnitude do you view him um, as an NBA player? I can't hear you at all, Nathan. Sorry, that, that was just a little bit of a, a audio technicality on my there end. As go. I was going to say, Stephen, um, that, that's exactly right. Somebody who yeah. I don't think he has the ceiling that I once thought that he did, even though we have him by our composite rankings at 14, someone who he's fallen a little bit down our boards, but in terms of in this mock draft scenario, but recouping that value, getting him at 22, would give the Brooklyn Nets another very solid piece and continue to build with for the future. I do like that pick where you got him. Maxwell, Portland Trailblazers via the New York Knicks. Another selection for Portland. Where mm-hmm. are you going with this one? I already took Jarris Walker up at number six. Who can they get at 23? Yeah, so I'm going to stay sort of in that same like fundamental vein, but maybe play it like a little bit safer. Um, I'm going to take Chris Murray with this pick. Um, it's just another like he's young, but he's still like an adult in the room because he's going to be, I believe, 39 on draft now. He's going to be like 23 yeah. on draft night. He's older. Um, <laughs> draft Twitter would tell you he's going to be 39. So yeah, 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 yeah. But he's he's, he's another guy who can shoot. He's going to compete on the glass. He has a lot of slither to get inside. I don't, I don't think he's the shooter that Keegan was coming out. I don't think he's nearly the athlete, especially vertically. He's not as strong as Keegan was. So like. There, like, if you're expecting Keegan, like he's not that, but he's still a really good player. He really developed a lot of feel as a passer. I thought as the year went along, and he's just a very smart, instinctual player. Like, even if he doesn't have the burst, he really knows where to be defensively. I think there's going to be a bit of a speed of the game adjustment for him coming out initially, uh, but I think it's just another guy that can come in hit shots and like just not get killed on an NBA floor. And when you're picking in the twenties and there's a guy who's just like an NBA player that has size and can shoot a little bit, like that's not a bad pick. Uh, so I know it's not the most exciting thing, but I think with Portland at the same time, you want to be cognizant of the guys that you're developing. You don't want to take on too many projects at one time. And this kind of allows you to take a guy who's a little bit lower maintenance and you can still yeah. have a ton of focus on Jairus, a ton of focus on Shaden Sharp and make sure that like, of the young guys, they know they are the guys and that Chris is just there to, to compete and play basketball. I, I, I agree. An excellent role player for Portland to buy into at this point of the draft. 24, I'm up, the Sacramento Kings. I did not expect this player to be available. I was actually going to go a different direction. I know Nick Ager Johnson on our team would have been thrilled with the direction I was going to go, but I'm actually going to try and make a little bit of a value play here. I'm going to take Dariq Whitehead for the Sacramento Mm. Kings, given that he just seems like one of these players where we're buying a little bit low into, but at one point preseason, he was the third overall prospect Mm -hmm. on my board. I know it's, it's crazy to say that at this point, but that's the type of talent that he showed on the high school film when he was coming out of Montverde. And if Sacramento's getting that type of player at 24, that value can't be ignored, especially when, we don't know what's going to happen with somebody like a Harrison Barnes, like after Keegan Murray and some of the other options on the team, like, like the wing depth kind of dries up pretty quickly. They need another wing 
on this team, someone who's going to continue to provide the type of floor spacing that these these initiators, De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, have grown accustomed to, someone who can potentially match Keegan Murray shot for shot in the three-point department if everything comes together for him. So I'm just going to take the value pick. I'm going to take Dariq Whitehead at 24 for the Kings. Steven, you're up for the Indiana Pacers, courtesy of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Who is your selection at 25? So following up the uh, Brandon Miller selection, uh, I'm kind of surprising myself here with this pick. Uh, you guys won't be surprised because way early on in the process, he was a guy that I was like really, really big on, kind of waxed and waned throughout the season. But going back and watching some G League games, uh, very impressive season for our guy, City Sissoko, yep. in the program. I, I love the fit here. It gives Indiana the opportunity to kind of modernize their rotations a little bit because they got the size and the length with Brandon. And now they got the size and the length with City, who I think can give you some really good minutes at the four moving forward in the NBA. I think that he's got the frame for it, competes on the glass, um, grab-and-go potential with him as a playmaker, rebounder, and a pretty good floor spacer, too, from what we saw this year. So I think City is a little bit of a like a, a semi-secret, if I can coin a phrase here. But I think with Indiana, it's a good pickup for them. A high-value, uh, safe floor and very good connective skills for the rest of their rotation. And he's in this range for all of us, right? Like yeah. I, I have him at 26 yeah. on my board. So Steven's picking him for 25. He was 28th by our composite ranking. So this is the type of range for him. And yeah, another one of these connective tissue type of players who has shown some ridiculous passing flashes while also the, the types of shots he's been able to hit, you know, at, at basically after the, the, the G league exhibition out in Las Vegas, right after that showcase, mm-hmm. he's been spectacular for the Ignite team. Now that their season's over, we get to go back and watch the full season's worth of film. I know I've been impressed with what I've seen. Steven's coming back up. I think Maxwell likes him to again. So mm-hmm. Sissoko, a guy who's rising, and I, I really do believe is going to be a first-round pick on draft night. Maxwell, Memphis Grizzlies, 26th overall. Boy, this is, this is a fun pick. There's a lot of guys on the board who are, quote-unquote, your guys. I know from talking to you enough, there, there's a number of directions you could go Who's going to be a Grizzly in this scenario? Yeah, there's one guy I really want to take because I think he's the best guy available. And like, oh, man. So why don't you do it? Uh, I think I think the fit would be like really precarious. They've got like eight guys that play the same position. <laughs> I just don't think there's like a, a real path. Uh, so I, I'll just take the top guy left on my board because, yeah, it's basically these two left. Um, I wanted to, okay, I'll, I'll just throw it out there. I want to take Leonard Miller for them. Cause I think he I knew it. And I think that like, it would be funny to take another draft Twitter guy for the Grizzlies, but I, I genuinely love <laughs> Leonard Miller and I want to move him up my board, but I actually think I'm going to take Nick Smith here. I think, I think excellent value band-aid, but also I, I do think there is like some interesting fit potential. I mean, obviously Kennedy Chandler is, is there too, but um, they can feel a little bit thin on like the playmaking front in the games where Ja doesn't play because it's, it's Tyus Jones. And then it's like Bane can kind of struggle when he has to be like that lead playmaker for them. Like that's just not his bag. He's so much better. It's like a second side complimentary guy. And they've got a lot of the other guys that move the ball. But like if this pick hits, I think it could be really big for them. I think Nick Smith, um, I'm a pretty big believer in his passing. I think he can he can pass well with both hands. Um, I think he sees the floor pretty well. He can really whip the ball. He's got the game's just got to slow down for him. This is a guy I'm almost like fine just playing in the G League for a year, like throw him with the hustle if need be, and just let him reacclimate, get his legs back under him. 
Uh, but I do think, yeah, I mean, he fell because he's a guy who is very thin, really struggled to pressure the rim, really struggled when he got to the rim, is very floater reliant, shot diet kind of stinks, takes a lot of mid-range shots. Um, and he's a skinny guy that had injury problems. And like all that, like just the combination of all of that is very scary. It is, um, and that's why he's he's fallen yeah. down boards for good reason at this point, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. Sorry, I, th- I cut you off. Yeah, no, 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 you're good. Yeah, so like I... It makes sense that, that he's falling. And I think that context is important for a lot of people that, you know, still see him really high in a lot of mainstream mocks. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm fine taking him here. And I think there's like a very real role that he could end up playing if things pan out on like a realistic outcomes level for him. Love it. Love the roll of the dice for Memphis at 26. Mm-hmm. If it hits Maxwell, isn't he, isn't he kind of taking the same shots and being another similar option to what they have in Desmond Bain? Right, like if it all comes together, that's sort the of role he's probably playing yeah. on the team. Yeah, like if Desmond Bain had like never seen a weight room before. But, all right, <laughs> no. I'm talking role. I'm talking yeah, yeah, types yeah. Of no, shots, no, no, it yeah. is, it is. It's a second. It's like it's another playmaker on the court who's like not your main guy, but can do a little bit of it and has some juice with the ball, but is mostly just a guy who catches and knocks down shots. Kind of has like a grizzly attitude too. You know? Yeah, I think he yeah, fits he's the locker room. Yeah. He does, and, and, and I think the, the last thing that we can say about Nick Smith on, on a positive note, right, even though he's falling down our boards, I think we all appreciate the competitive spirit that he showed yeah. coming back mm-hmm. to Arkansas. When he, I love that he, he came back. Yeah, He could have hang it up, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't shut it down. He came back, and even though he struggled, he fought through those struggles, and he still ended the season in the way that he wanted to, which was on the court, not off of it. So shout out to Nick Smith. We all, we all appreciate that competitive fire. The Charlotte Hornets via the Denver Nuggets at 27. I'm back on the clock here. Maxwell, I'm going to take that guy that you wanted to take. I'm going to I'm going to take Leonard Miller. My next pick. All right. So All right. Here's a sentence I did not expect myself to be uttering at any point Uh-oh. during this draft cycle. Mm-hmm. I've said all year long the Charlotte Hornets just need to take damn good basketball players. Yeah. I think Le- I think Leonard Miller's a damn good basketball mm-hmm. player. I-, I I think at this point at this point the the the, the gig is up, right? We, we all know the type of production that he's put up in the G League. Consistent, like, double-double type, like, 16-point, 10-11 rebound type of guy. We know he's going to mix it up on the glass. He's going to mix it up defensively. He can offer some weak side rim protection. He's a transition guy. He's gotten better at handling the ball. The biggest question mark is obviously the shooting. But what I didn't expect to see from Leonard, and it's something we've talked about in draft year before, was the, the array of skills that he's shown past the shooting – I did not expect the amount of boxes he could check to be at this number at this point in his draft evaluation. And it's too much production to ignore. He could go top 20. He could go lottery. Nothing would shock me at this point with Leonard Miller. A team could legitimately buy in me getting to draft him at 27, or if Maxwell would have been the one to take him with his next pick at 29. Like that's just way too much value to pass up with Leonard at this point. So I will take Leonard Miller. As as a Leonard guy, can I just throw out two quick things? You sure can. So the first is that there was like a stat that came out that he was like fourth in the G league in hockey assists this year, which I think is really interesting and worth noting. The second is that like the big knock on him is the shot looks bad. It looks weird. It's a low release, whatever. Still made 32% of his catch and shoot threes is a 19 year old from the NBA three point line playing in a pro league like and that's pretty workable that's that's a lot better position than a lot of the guys where we're like oh if he shoots it like he's in a much better starting 
place than a lot of those guys. And I do think one of the points that, that a lot of others on draft Twitter, some of the guys who do a much better job, I won't say much better. I'll, I'll say a more thorough and comprehensive job through one draft cycle to look ahead towards the next draft cycle in terms of evaluating the high school talent. Mm-hmm. Some of those guys on draft Twitter talked about Leonard Miller's touch for a while, how like he may have this funky form, but he has good touch mm-hmm. that shows up on the tape too, Maxwell. It's not just yeah. the, the threes that you were talking about, but those push shots in the paint, those little like Like 10 to 12 foot jumpers that he takes, like they're all legit shots. And I think they all point to the type of touch that can indicate he may have a brighter uh, shooting upside than we initially wanted to give him credit for that. We may still give him credit for. We might, we might still be falling short on giving him the amount of credit that he may very well deserve as a long-term shooter on an NBA team. So I, I like that pick that I was able to make a lot. Steven number 28, the Utah jazz courtesy of, my 76ers, a little frowny face that we once again are not making a first round selection, but you get to make it for the Jazz. Where are you going with the pick? Yeah, so our third pick tonight for the Jazz, my second pick for them. I'm gonna give uh I'm gonna give them some front court help. Now we've addressed some guard play. We're gonna we're gonna shore up their rotation a little bit. Now I'm gonna give them a guy who I've loved for a long, long time. I'm gonna give them Trace Jackson Davis to back up Walker Kessler at the five. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, backup five for Utah has been a, a an interesting conversation for the past couple of seasons, but Trace gives you a post playmaking potential, good pick and roll partner, good passer out of the short roll, an incredible rim protector, rebounder, and offensively is just very strong and can get to his spots comfortably. I, I don't think that he's going to be asked to space the floor that much for, for Utah. They have a very uh, friendly scheme for a big man to be able to roll to the rim. And I think Trace is a backup five for Utah. Again, it's not sexy to say you're drafting your backup five uh, with a first round pick, but if you got three first round picks and your final one in the late in the latter portion of the first rounds is someone who uh, looks like he could play in the NBA for a very long, long time, like that's that's a good pick. I haven't been the biggest Trace Jackson Davis fan the, this draft cycle. I, I've come around to him a little more th- than I once was, but I will say to Steven, even though I may not want to take him in the first round, when I was sort of looking at my options for teams that we're going to be making picks for, and I was thinking about Utah, like what are the different directions they could go with multiple picks? Trace Jackson Davis is a guy who actually does make a lot of sense for that team because of what they already have on the roster. So mm-hmm. I do think that ended up being a good selection by Steven for the Jazz. Maxwell, Indiana Pacers are up at 29, courtesy of the Boston Celtics. I have a feeling I know where you're going, and it's going to break my heart because I would love to take this guy at number 30 just to get him in the first round. I, maybe you're not going to go there. Maybe you have completely different ideas in mind. Maybe I'm just rambling for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> I think Who are you taking be. for the Pacers? <laughs> yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little bit outside of the box here. Um I'm going to take, I, I think they still need like more size and athleticism. Um, I'm going to take Noah Clowney for the Pacers here. Oh, I, I, I like that pick. I think he's, I think he's a project. Like, I think there's some real stuff he needs to work out. Um, but I think with what he showed is one of the youngest players in college basketball this year. I really buy the stroke with him. Um, I buy his mobility more than I buy his defense. Like I think he can move mm. really well, but I don't think he's like a polished defender yet. Uh, but he does play with a really high motor. Like so many of his blocks, like he's not a great rim protector, but he does like get his 
foot back on defense and block shots at the rim. So I think there's a lot to work with here. Um, and I think he fits what this team wants. I just don't think he does that right now, but I think that he's very enticing and the guys with that sort of size and skill package are really valuable. So I, I take him, I throw him in Fort Wayne for a year and, and hopefully next year I've got a guy who can really come in and add, add to what I'm doing. I love his short role playmaking. It's like the most like niche thing that I love about him, but I, I can't help but love it. Yeah, the short I, role playmaking, the shooting, the rim protection, the athletic profile, the potential switchability mm. and versatility on defense. He is one hell of a prospect. Here was something I came across on Synergy. What what percentage do you think opponents shot at the rim against Clowney in the half court? Because it was way, way different than I thought it was going to be. Oh, at so directly at the rim. That's it. I'm not even going to offer up a guess. 47%. 36.2%. Okay. So Clowney is like a much better deterrent than I anticipated. And he wasn't there locks. He plays with Betty Yako and things like that. But yeah, I just see a high motor guy with like a projectable shooting motion. And I, th- I, I think it's going to like the body's going to take him some time or whatever, but like, man, if he like becomes a reliable three point shooter with how hard he plays, I, I think he's going to be a dude. I, I think that makes sense though, because even though he's not the biggest, strongest dude on the court right now, as you mentioned, Maxwell is one of the youngest players in the draft. Mm-hmm. He can make some gambles and, and, and take some risks away from the basket. But when he defends around the basket, he's actually way more disciplined mm-hmm. than I want to give him credit for. Like a lot of his, a lot of his more stupid fouls or whatever the case may be, they generally come from further away from the basket. I think he actually does a pretty dang good job of defending in the post. And that, that percentage that, that is the perfect indicator to, to point to that fact. So Job well done on your reason. You've been killing the statistical research all podcast, my man. Job well done by, by Maxwell tonight. Doing my the best. LA Clippers via the Milwaukee Bucks to round out the first round. I really thought Maxwell was going to go with this guy because we've been talking about him for weeks. But as the Indiana Pacers could have taken him for very similar reasons, the LA Clippers are also a team who they don't want to play first round picks, right? The, these young guys who they're drafting or bringing in on, on two way contracts, like they're, they're, they're G league guys through and through, or they could be stash candidates. Can I Uh-oh. interest you in Bala Koulibaly at the end of the first round for the LA Clippers? That's the type of pick. Listen, man, do not be shocked. If you hear Koulibaly's name inside the top 20 on draft night and you're going, who the hell is this guy? I haven't heard a lick on him. Well, if you've been paying attention to no ceilings, yeah. (laughs) if you've been paying attention to no ceilings, you know who this guy is. Six, six wing playing for the Metropolitans 92. I I, essentially on their, their junior division team for most of this year. But when you look at what he's done, both, in the upper league as well as in the junior division, what he's put together on tape, it's it's breathtaking at times, guys. Like this is the type of player who, yeah, he may not be this perfect prospect right out of the box to come in and play a big role in his rookie year. But if you give him the proper time to develop, if he's a stash pick for you, if he's somebody who you don't mind if he plays in the G League for a few years, the return on this guy could be, I think he has sneaky third banana upside on like a really good team. Like mm-hmm. I, I see a legitimate future for Koulibaly. I would take him higher than 30, but the fact that I can get him at this point in the first round, I'm ecstatic. Give me Bilal Koulibaly to close out the first round for the Clippers. We're going to take one more quick break. When we come back, 
We, we've given some explanations in terms of why we're making some of these picks. We're just going to go straight rapid fire through the second round here to close out this podcast when we come back after a short break. All right, and we are back. So rapid fire, second round picks. We're going to go 31 through 58. Steven, you're on the board with the first one. Detroit Pistons at 31. Who are you taking? Friend of the program, Marcus Sasser. Love that pick, Stephen. Love Marcus Sasser for the Detroit Pistons. Maxwell, you are up at 32. Uh, give me Julian Strother for the Pacers here. Julian Strother out of Gonzaga had a pretty decent run for them all year long. Did hit some big shots in the tournament. I have a pick at 33 here for the San Antonio Spurs. I'm going to take a, a little bit of an upside swing here as well, maybe a potential stash. I'm going to take James Najee for the hmm. Spurs. I think they need a little bit of help down low. So give me a, a project-type center who could yield first-round results. And James Najee, Steven, 34 for the Charlotte Hornets. Where are you going? I'm going to keep them in-state talent alive. I'm going to go Traquavion Smith to give them just a, a bucket getter off of the bench. Love it. Different type of change of pace guard for the Charlotte Hornets. Maxwell, you're on the clock. Boston Celtics via the Trailblazers mm -hmm. pick 35. Yeah, I'm going to take a Dembona here. Um, I think they could just use another like reliable big within their rotation. I Because he is so raw, it might take a little bit. Um, but he's going to play hard. He's going to rim run. And when you have a team with so many guys who can create with the ball in their hands, you kind of need a guy who can finish plays. And, and he can finish plays and guard up and down the spectrum. I love it. Love the Adem Bona pick. I think he's another guy who he could be taken in the first round as well, and it wouldn't shock me. I'm up for Orlando at 36. I'm going to take a player who, listen, this is shout out to Corey and Nick on our team. I'm going to take another guy who's going to play on the wing, keep the ball moving, can hit perimeter shots, can finish around the basket, gets there better than you'd expect. Jaime Jaquez at 36 out of UCLA. I think he's certainly moved up boards. Steven, the Kings via the Pacers at 37. I am going to go with Julian Phillips. Uh, I, I think they got enough uh, rotation help to where they can develop him. I like him a lot. It reminds me a little bit of a first-year Tari Eason. Love it. Love that pick. That's certainly a great value play at 37. Maxwell, the Oklahoma City Thunder via the Wizards. Who do you got at 38? Yeah, we're just taking guys that we think are pros at this point, kind of you know, fit being whatever. I'm taking Trey Alexander. Uh, this is a guy I have Love really it. high on my board. I just think he comp he's like the perfect complimentary guard for the modern NBA. He's a stellar pick and roll player. He's an excellent shooter off the catch. He defends really well. Like he is so great as a low maintenance modern NBA player. And I feel like he didn't get to show off as much uh, because Creighton had such a well spread out offense. Like so many guys got to play with the ball. Like I think if people just, if he got to cook and pick and roll all year long, I think this is a guy that's getting first round buzz. I love it. I love the Trey Alexander pick. Maxwell did a great job writing about him for NoSillingsNBA.com. Make sure you go check that out if you haven't already. Love that pick for the Thunder. I'm up at 39 for the Hornets. Keeping my mantra going of just choosing damn good basketball players for the Charlotte Hornets. This may be a little high for some. I'm going to take Kevin McCuller here out of Kansas. They just need a guy who can play defense on the wing, can hit open three-point shots, and just keep that team moving on both sides of the ball with a little bit of veteran play and older college player. Coming into the draft, Steven, you're up at 40 for the Denver Nuggets via the Mavs. Who you got? 
I'm going to give them a, an offensive wing who I've had a chance to interview, and I think that he is a good do-it-all offensive player. Uh, Brandon Pajemski out of Santa Love Clara. It. Love it. Love that Pajemski pick has been a sleeper for the first half of the draft cycle, I'll say. He he broke out at Santa Clara in a big way, and I think his name's a little more well-known now. I, I value him as like a top 40 pick, no, no doubt. He, he would be around like the 38-39 range on my board. Maxwell, Charlotte Hornets, 41 mm-hmm. via the Thunder. Who's your pick? Yeah, I want more adults in the room. Like, this is a yes. team that's had, that's had some issues. Um, we got Victor. We've got LaMelo. We want spacing around them, especially with the big like Mark Williams kind of coming to his own. Give me Ben Shepard. I, I wrote about him this week. I said, put your trust in Ben Shepard. That's what I'm doing here. This is a guy who's mature, uh, has a really good attitude, does what he says he's going to do, gets better at basketball, but just an outstanding shooting profile very good at pull-up twos very good at threes off the catch very good at threes off the dribble handoffs off screens you name it he can really shoot uh, and i think that's his nba skill uh defensively i I think it's just a matter of like being able to lock in more when you're not the star player on your team and, and things like that i think he's got some things to figure out there but he's a smart decision maker and great shooter do not be surprised if you hear a name like ben shepherd called inside the top 45 on draft night. I promise you, our fellow, our loyal audience, it's going to get weird in the second round really quick. Trust me. And our boards are going to look different in the second round from like a month from now. We were all talking about that, certainly before the podcast. I'm up at 42, the Wizards via the Bulls. As of now, we believe that he's going to be in the NBA draft. And if he is, give me the game record at 42, as Rucker calls him. Give me Andre Jackson Jr., uh, for the Washington Wizards here at pick number 42. he He's just another fun gadget type of plug-in player who he can just give them things that I, I think they need more of, defense, playmaking, keeping the ball moving. I know the shot isn't there, but he's just another fun guy to have in the locker room as another potential developmental project. Steven, 43, the Grizzlies via the Timberwolves. Who you got? I'm going to give them some Steven Adams insurance uh, at the five. And if he declares uh, there are going to be people screaming that he fell this far, give me Donovan Klingon. I love it. I love that pick. I do think he's probably going to end up going back to school. But as we are recording this now, we believe there is a very good chance that he could declare off the national championship run for UConn. And if he does, you're going to see him rising up boards, potentially mine, potentially a board near you he will keep rising maxwell 44 for the blazers via mm-hmm. the hawks who you got yeah james Najee shouldn't be on the board still like i feel like he's one of those guys who he's are, not i took like, him at 33 oh hard. no yeah, yeah. Maxwell. i was right i said he shouldn't be he, on the board, he shouldn't and, be on I, the and, board. He's not. and i was right i was spot <laughs> on uh so with james Najee being correctly off the board like like he should be um I'll take Kyle Filipowski here. Why not? I think he's Good probably value. the best best guy left. Maybe he's not that bad at defense. No, uh, he can he can move a little bit. I think he's actually a little better in space than he gets credit for. I just don't like how he protects the rim. I worry about how he finishes, but I do think he's gonna shoot it. And I think I think there's a world where he can like stay on the floor as an NBA four and shoot threes at a pretty high clip. Um I don't think he's like the athlete that a Laurie Markkinen was. Like, I don't know that that kind of attacking game is ever there. Um, but I, I do think there's a way he carves out a role. I agree. I could have seen multiple teams take him. Certainly, I, I could have made the selection at 36 with the Magic. I think he could have made some sense even with the Spurs at 33. He could have made some sense over someone like Najee. But getting him at 44, that's great value. The Pelicans at 45. I'm going to take Amari Bailey 
as of right now, mm. we still think he's going to test the waters and declare for the draft. And if he does, he showed some real chops this second half of the season for UCLA. He, I, I didn't see anybody talking about him on, on draft Twitter for, for quite a while. And he really mm. came out of his shell in the Pac-12 tournament, in the NCAA tournament. I think he's still got legitimate talent. And if he comes back to school, he could be a first rounder next year. So a little bit of pre-drafting, as the community would Uh-oh. like to say, give me Amari Bailey at 45. Steven, the Spurs via the Raptors at 46. Who you got? I'm going to make another in-state talent selection. Uh, we took the swing on the prospect at the point guard spot. Why not give him a little bit more uh, help back there in the rotation with Mike Miles out of TCU? Love it. Love the Mike Miles pick there at 46 for the Spurs. Maxwell, the Lakers at 47. Mm-hmm. Who you got? Uh, so... Anthony Davis, he likes to play the four. He likes to have a a big man next to him. Yes, he does. I'm going to take a a really large man. I'm going to take Zach Eady for Purdue with this pick here. Because I think think he's going to play in the NBA. I know that you might have to throw him in his own, which is something more and more teams have done. Uh, Obviously, it's not... Not a sexy pick coming off a loss to Bradley Dickinson, but that was, I really don't think that was his fault. I, no. I think Zach Eady is going to play and produce. I think he's in, I think the biggest thing that gets overlooked with him is he's in absurd shape for a guy who's that big guys that are that big normally don't play over 30 minutes a game. Um, yeah. I I'm taking Zach Eady. He's an athlete, man, multi-sport guy. Like mm-hmm. you wouldn't expect it from somebody that big, but he, he, he covers more ground than you think. And he can pour in buckets in a hurry on the offensive side of the ball. I also agree with Maxwell. I do think he's he's going to be an NBA player. 48 for the LA Clippers. I'm going to take a, a bucket-getting wing off the bench. He's proven he can do it at Arkansas. It's a little bit unconventional at times. I will take Ricky Council the fourth for the LA Clippers. Steven, the Cavs via the Warriors, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who you got at 49. Yeah, so I'm going to get a guy who has shown that he can shoot the three, who can defend who can rebound, has some grab and go to his game, and is a good connective passer. And that's what Cleveland needs at the three and the four. So give me Jalen Wilson out of Kansas. Jalen Wilson, I do like that pick right there. Prove that he can do a lot at Kansas. Again, another uh, high volume, low low efficiency potential type of player. But off the bench in a more limited role, he should be able to give Cleveland a good boost. Maxwell, pick 50, the Thunder. Via the Miami Heat, who do you have going to OKC at pick 50? Ooh, yeah. Um, it gets yeah, it's getting a little murky. I'm yeah, I'm between two guys. I just want to look at one thing real quick just to confirm. Yeah, I mean, they don't have a huge shooting need. I'm they love these kind of guys. I'm gonna give them another like big project y kind of guy that's interesting, but an older one. I'm gonna give them Naquan Tomlin, a guy okay. who like, guards guards down really well. He's really thin, and like that is. Uh, another issue for him, but he was late to the game. He finishes efficiently. I really buy the shot. Um, I buy his motor. I, I like how hard he plays. I think there's a lot. He, he's just kind of like a ball of clay because he started playing so late. Um, but I think his instincts are still really good for how how little basketball experience he has. I, I agree 100%. He, I, I would love for him to come back to school, but if he wouldn't, if he tried to capitalize on Kansas State's deeper tournament run, Listen, Tomlin's a guy, he would certainly pique the interest of NBA front offices, and I bet he already has. So I do like that pick, Maxwell. 51 for the Brooklyn Nets. I will give them a little bit more of an upside swing. I know I made the lively pick earlier. I will go Arthur Kaluma at 51 to give them a different dimension at the 3-4 position on the floor. 
Steven, 52, the Phoenix Suns, who you got? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give them some front court help at the five just to kind of back up their big man there and give me Deron Holmes out of Dayton. Bad man. Deron Holmes has fallen for, for yeah. us a little bit. It, it doesn't completely shock me. I don't think it completely shocks Maxwell either, but I do think at 52, that could be some good value left on the board. 53, the Timberwolves via the New York Knicks. Who do you have for Minnesota at 53, Maxwell? Yeah, can never have too much shooting. Give me Tucker DeVries from Drake. I, I'm still buying. He had the rough game against Miami. I think it's going to take him a little longer to catch up to the speed of the game. Um, like, I do think he's a guy who needs a year or two uh, in the G League to just kind of acclimate to that. But I think, yeah, I, I still really buy him. Is as a, as a shot maker, as a movement shooter, a guy who can put it on the floor and make good passing decisions. Didn't get to show as much of the help side. Rim protection stuff that mm -hmm. he did as a freshman, like that's still all in there. Like there's a lot of stuff he didn't get to show uh, this season that he did show as a freshman. I'm, I'm still a believer. You had to. You had to, you had to hop on the tuck train mm -hmm. for one of these second round picks. I know you did. Sacramento Kings. At 54, I'm going to take a guy who he's going to fill a similar role as to what Kevin Herter has played on this team. If he gets some playing time, kind of like a pseudo Herter, you need uh -oh. Baylor Shireman out of Creighton. He, I, I think he could certainly play that type of role for the Kings in more limited minutes off the bench. Listen, every good NBA offense needs more shooting. They could certainly use a little bit more floor spacing as every NBA team can. So give me Baylor Shireman at 54. Steven, the Pacers again via the Cavs, who you got? I'm going to give them uh, someone who's near and dear to my heart as an Arkansas Razorback fan, uh, continuing with the wings that we've can, that we have just given them throughout this entire draft class. I think it modernizes their rotation, gives them more defensive acumen with a little bit of offensive upside. Give me Jordan Walsh. If Jordan Walsh declares, I know that, that he definitely moved up my board i have become a little bit more hesitant because i i there's just some part of me that thinks he's going to go back to school but if he declares i would 100 think about taking a swing on jordan walsh as high as late in the first round and, and into the early second round that's how much that i value him and we've actually talked about jordan walsh a good amount on draft deeper since arkansas tournament run maxwell 56 the memphis grizzlies who's your selection yeah, I'm going to take like the only guy left that I had on the on the board. Uh, I'm going to take Kobe Brown. Uh, I think he's a good basketball player who is good at a lot of things, and he really knows what he's doing on the court. I'm still just kind of skeptical of the shot because, as I wrote in the article I did about him, like that type of shooting leap from going from 25% to 44% is pretty unprecedented, even though his volume was higher than a lot of those guys. Um, but generally, those types of like – senior year shooting leap guys don't pan out. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm a little skeptical. I'm not crazy about him as like a, a lateral athlete. He moves backwards and forwards awkwardly. He can be a little slow to get to that first step. Uh, so I'm, I, I'm a little bearish on him as an athlete, um, but I think he's a really smart basketball player. And if he does shoot, there's a chance he could, he could feel his way onto an NBA court. Pick 57, the Washington Wizards via the Boston Celtics. I'm on the clock. If you buy into Jalen Hochefino being your point guard of the future, maybe you're not worried about holding on to Monte Morris as much. And if Monte Morris walks, how about Reese Beekman as a little bit of insurance potentially in the backcourt? I will take Reese Beekman. Analytics darling, certainly at least at one point in this year in the draft community, I will take him at 57. Steven, you are making the last pick. 
in this draft, pick number 58, because again, two of these picks are forfeited in the upcoming 23 draft. Pick 58, the Milwaukee Bucks, how are you closing us out? I'm closing us out with a guy that I just recently wrote about and gave a case that he should be a draftable prospect, and that has become a popular take um, since the tournament, and it has forced us to watch him a lot more. Give me Jordan Miller out of Miami. Jordan Miller out of Miami rounds out our mock posit draft 6.0. We did it, boys. We got through the entire two rounds of this exercise. So two players in our composite top 60 that did not get selected. That would be Azulis Tubelis, who was 55 in our composite rankings. And then at number 60, Nikola Durasic also did not get selected in this exercise. But everyone else, we found a home for him. And I got to be honest, I really like our mock posit draft this time around. I, I generally like what we cook up. I don't think there were any shocker picks here necessarily. Maybe some of the listeners will be surprised that they heard player X or player Y falling in a mock scenario. But I think in terms of where we are with our evaluations, the conversations we're having around no ceilings on a day-to-day basis, I think this mock draft actually played out to, to where we all are at. And it's a good reflection of our evaluation. So that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Stephen, before we close it out, any final thoughts about this mock posit exercise? No, it just kind of breaks my heart because, I mean, I love way more players than 58, and I know that you guys are the same, so it it always kind of hurts leaving dudes out. But, um, Nathan, like you said, I was uh, a fan of the way things shook out. I think that, especially the rapid-fire second, I mean, that's kind of a hard exercise, and I think we did well. I think we did well as well. Maxwell, any thoughts? No, I'm I'm happy with it. I, when the biggest shock is like a Men Thompson going four, which is like a pretty, you know, not out of the out of the question it's thing. Not, it's happen. not a it's shock like, to plenty all of right, other people. That's a good. That's a good a good kind of shock. So it was it was fun. It's a great exercise. I love doing these. And like like Stephen said earlier too, it really makes you kind of reevaluate and think like, okay, well, if I don't feel comfortable taking this guy for this many different teams, should yeah. they be that high on my board? So yeah, one hundred percent. Well. This was certainly a fun episode of Draft Deeper on the No Ceilings NBA episode feed. Thank you so much again for tuning into this episode of the podcast, as well as all the others you do. If you aren't subscribed to No Ceilings NBA, please go ahead and do so wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. We have every single podcast episode, plus all the film breakdowns and sessions that, that Corey's certainly been working on. We all have been doing some player reviews that are going to be up on the YouTube channel as well, so make sure you're locked in over there and then NoSillingsNBA.com, the Substack, written work Monday through Friday on the NBA draft. We have plenty more in store as we gear up towards the June draft. But until we meet again on this podcast feed, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.